Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 9. This is Jesus talking. I want us to just kind of see this happening real quick. He also told them this disciple, he also told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So a parable is a story Jesus makes up so that he could present a principle. And so there were some people in the room while he was teaching that thought they were all that and a bag of Skittles. So they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt. That means they looked down on other people. So this is Jesus. Jesus says, okay, I'm going I'm to I'm learn y'all something. And I'm going to make up this story here. And he says this. Two men went up to the temple to pray. All right. Two men doing the same exact act. And he's going to contrast the two. And he's going to say this. He says, one, a Pharisee. A Pharisee at the time was just a religiously tight person. They were very legalistic. And, so, and the other, a tax collector. The tax collector was a Jewish man who basically betrayed his own people by taking up collections for the Roman Empire and then taking some off the top and putting it in his own pocket. All right? So there's this contrast between two. religiously legalistic and this guy that's betraying his own people. And they both went up to the temple to pray. And watch this. The Bible says that the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like this other guy. Other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. It was worth, he was praying with one eye open. God, thank you I'm not like this guy. And then he goes off and he starts giving God his spiritual resume. He says, I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even look up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this is Jesus talking about this man, this tax collector. He said this, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified. That word justified means that just as if he didn't sin at all. This is the man that went home justified rather than the other. And Jesus said this. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This upside-down kingdom, the way up is down, the way down is up, that's the way Jesus taught it, and so that's the way we're going to live it. I titled today's message, I'm sorry, I'm self-righteous. I'm sorry, I'm self-righteous. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you challenge us. I pray that you meet us where we are. Lord, I pray, God, that you allow us to see the things inside of ourselves that we could surrender unto you so that we could worship you more in our lifetime, God, because we're going to do that for eternity anyway. Father, I pray for just an amazing moment today that you meet us where we are. And it doesn't matter if we've been to church for just a minute or a couple decades, Lord. You want to do something in our hearts, God. So we ask you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Say, today we are. Daring to experience real powerful moments together in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're being seated, turn to the person next to you and say, you smell good for coming out of the rain. You don't smell like that wet dog smell some of us have coming out of the rain. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm self-righteous. Have you ever ran into a self-righteous person in the church? We all have, right? I tried to remember, like, what was my first interaction with a self-righteous person? And brutal honesty, um, I, I can't remember the first time, but one of the major times 
I ran into a self-righteous person is when, um, most of you, you probably heard this story. There was one day I had this really amazing moment with God. I was praying to God in my, my bedroom and I just got overwhelmed with emotion. I'm crying. And this is in the 90s. And this is where we had CDs. Now, kids, CDs are these plastic discs that you would place inside machines and they would spin around. And because of some witchcraft, music would come out of the speakers, all right? That's what CDs were. And so I had these CDs and I had a lot of CDs because of Columbia Clearinghouse. Where are my Columbia Clearinghouse people at, right? I had a bunch of them, a bunch of them. But in this, in this moment with God, I decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna break all, all of my secular CDs. Come on, I mean all of them, like my Lionel Richie CDs, my Boys to Men CDs. Oh man, you know, Brian McKnight, all of them. I just decided to break them. You know, Jodakai, Jodacy. Where are my Jodacy people at? Started to break them. So I said, all right, I'm going to dedicate my life to the Lord. I was on fire for the Lord. So the, I went to the, to the mecca of Christian music at the time because we didn't have Spotify. We didn't have iTunes. We had the Christian bookstore. It was called Sunshine. It was spelled S-O-N-S-H-I-N-E because Christians are so clever. Sunshine bookstore. And I remember, again, don't judge me. This is the middle of the 90s. So I, I, I went to the Sunshine Christian Bookstore, and I walked in, and this is what I was wearing at the time. I was wearing a Carhartt jacket, big baggy jeans, and my tan Timberland boots, all right? I look like a ghetto lumberjack. So I walked up into this Christian bookstore, and the lady, I took her off guard because the lady, normally like a good customer service rep would say, may I help you? This is what she said. I'll never forget this. She goes, are you Okay. Swear to you, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. So I said, all right. So I kind of rededicated my life to the Lord. I broke all my CDs and I just need some good Christian music. And she goes, oh, glory to God. She grabbed me by my wrist and she goes, my son Eric, he's at the register right now. He just made this chart that's going to help you out. And we're going to get you to listen to some good, wholesome Christian music for your soul. So she grabs my wrist and she takes me to this chart. I don't know if anybody remembers this chart. And the chart, on the left-hand side of the chart was all the secular artists. And on the right-hand side of the chart was the Christian equivalent to the secular artists. I don't even know if they have this anymore, right? So I would look. I was like, okay. You would see it said, Britney Spears. If you like Britney Spears, then you'll love Zoe Girl. You could tell all the old school Chris's right now. They're laughing. So if you like Foo Fighters, you'll love Audio Adrenaline, Right? And this one was the worst one, the worst one. If you like Coolio, rest in power, he died this week. If you like Coolio, you'll like T-Bone. Who the heck is T-Bone? And then one even worse, because I was a big hip-hop fan at the time. If you like Tribe Called Quest, you'll love DC Talk. And so I said, yeah, I love Tribe Called Quest. Let me listen to DC Talk. So at the time, I don't know if you remember, there were these CD players on the wall with the headphones and you could test out the music before you buy it, right? So I would sit there and she goes, isn't that wonderful? Doesn't your, aren't you rejoicing in the Lord right now? And she was like excited for me that I'm listening to this and I'm like, eh, it's meh. It's all right. And she goes, I, I, I just know that the joy of the Lord is in everyone in this store. No one in this store listens to secular music. And there's something inside of me because I was still recovering off, off my, my, my sinful nature. I was still rebellious. So I'm, I'm still working on it, y'all. And something 
clicked in me and I looked at her and I said, uh, that's a lie. She goes, what do you mean that's a lie? No one in this store listens to secular music. I said, then who made the chart? <laughs> and then her, her light bulb went off and she looked at her son, Eric! I'm disappointed in you. And I'm like, I'm disappointed in you too, Eric, because DC Talk sounds nothing like Tribe Called Quest. Nothing. They had a song called Addicted to Jesus. It was crap. I'm disappointed. But she walked around so self-righteous in that moment as though, as though, as though pretending to be holy gets you close to God. Can I say that again? As though pretending to be holy gets you closer to God. And I remembered in that moment, I was going to commit to myself that I'm not going to pretend. If I have a bad day, I'm having a bad day. Right? If, if, if I, all right, I didn't listen to Hillsong. I listened to Wu-Tang Clang today. <laughs> I'm going to repent. <laughs> but I'm going to be real because we'd rather be real and get close to Jesus than be fake and pretend like everything's okay. And pretend like everything's okay. And pretending to be holy does not get you closer to Jesus. And it doesn't. And, and, and what that has done is it's been cancerous in the church because then what do we do? We judge people based on how they look. So when someone walks in through the door and they're wearing a Carhartt jacket with baggy jeans and tan Timberland boots, they might be your pastor. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they might be your pastor. And you heard this joke before, like I'm about to do a wedding in St. Louis. And, and, and this is, you know, we're re revisiting all these weddings that we scheduled during pandemic. And, you know, when I go to weddings, they, they don't assume that I'm the efficient because they judge a book by its cover. They assume that I'm like the DJ or the bartender or if I'm dressed really nice, the limo driver. Because we all judge a book by its cover. We all do it. We all do it. We all judge a book by its cover. We all do it. But what we need to do is acknowledge it because this is what this whole series is about, is owning our stuff and then replacing it with God's goodness. So let's be honest. We do judge a book by its cover. We do sometimes because of that, that culture of judging a book by its cover, sometimes we act holy when we're really not. Sometimes we pretend and we think we're fooling ourselves. We think we're fooling people and we think we're fooling ourselves and we're fooling no one. We all know that we're just pretending. But today, I hope that this message inspires you to understand that the pressure's not on you. Because when I talk about self-righteousness, this is how we're going to define self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, actually, in the Webster's Dictionary, self-righteousness is defined as this, confident of one's righteousness. Thank you, Webster. I need a little more than that. And then it goes on and says something like smugly moralistic. Anybody know anybody smugly? Ooh, I want to chop somebody in the throat when they're being smugly. Smugly moralistic, one who's intolerant of the opinions of others. It's self-righteousness. So that's what Webster defines it, but this is how, here's how I want to define it, okay? And, and, and learning for, uh, and studying self-righteousness in Scripture, this is how we're going to, it is spiritual pride. It is spiritual pride when my value is based on me and my performance. Self-righteousness is spiritual pride. When my value is based on me and my performance. It's all based on me. 
When, if you understand what's, how the scripture defines our righteousness, the righteousness that we manufacture, the, the righteousness that, that I could fabricate, this is how scripture defines it. You ready for this one? It's going to get graphic. There should be a label on this one, explicit lyrics coming your way. Isaiah 64, 6 says this, we are all, everybody say all, we are all infected and impure with sin. Watch this, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags, like autumn leaves, shout out to all my pumpkin spice people, hey. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, our sins sweep us away like the wind. Like filthy rags. If you understand what that terminology is even talking about, it's basically saying this. When I declare my righteousness before the Lord, it's like a menstrual rag. Graphic, isn't it? Next time, put your kids in children's ministry. That's all I got to say. We're going to talk about some adult stuff here today. So on my best day, on my best day, when I present it to the look at me, God, it's a filthy menstrual rag. On my best day. So where does righteousness come from? Because I got no shot. I'm out. If, if on my best day it's a menstrual rag before the Lord, what can I do? And those of you who have been tracking in our collectives, we've been studying the book of Romans. And the whole theme of the book of Romans is this. Righteousness comes from God. The pressure of righteousness comes from God. We read that all over scripture, but here's two main verses here. Philippians 3.9 says this, and be found in him, meaning Jesus, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. It doesn't depend on our performance. Somebody get excited about that. That clap was a poor performance. Thank God righteousness has nothing to do with your clapping. It has to do with your faith. And if, again, if you've been tracking it with Romans, Romans 3.22 says this, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That's it, to all who believe, Jew and Gentile, to all who believe. And so, but again, we're, we, we've all experienced and we interacted with church culture that loves to pretend and loves to be full of themselves. Loves to be full of ourselves. Look at me. Look at how I worship. Look at, look, at, look at my thick Bible. Right? Look at my thick Bible. I haven't opened it all week, but it's thick. And it's all about show. And we're full of ourselves. So here's your anchor point for this morning. When I'm full of myself, there's no room for God. When I'm full of myself, there is no room for God. And God wants to fill up our lives and God wants to take us to higher heights and new levels and wants to take us from glory to glory. And we wonder, why does, the, why does everything feel so heavy when he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Maybe it's because I'm full of myself. I'm full of myself. And when you're full of yourself, there is no room for God. So today I want to help us all, including myself, to identify our self-righteousness because we all struggle with it. And I'm going to learn from the parable that Jesus taught. So together, we're going to learn from Jesus. Who's ready to learn from Jesus this morning? You could give me a golf clap, but don't give Jesus a golf clap. We're going to learn from Jesus today. This is what Jesus taught. Number one, we identify our self-righteousness when we look down on anyone. When you look down on anyone, that is self-righteousness. 
anyone, 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 when we look down on anyone, he said this, some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. The word contempt means that you're looking down on someone. And quite honestly, I'm just calling us out as the church, we love to point out everybody's wrongs. Just, just, just scroll on social media. You don't even need three minutes to see that we love pointing out other people's wrongs. And this is what I found out. Pointing out someone else's wrong doesn't make you right. Blowing out someone else's candle doesn't make yours shine brighter. Here's the other thing I found. You could be right and rude and still be wrong. But Pastor Mike, we have the truth. We have the truth. Yeah, but if you're rude with the truth, you're wrong. My grandfather taught me this. He goes, if you... Don't ever guess a woman's age, because even if you're right, you're wrong. <laughs> Ladies, can I get an amen? Right? Because it's rude to talk about a woman's age. And I think in the same way, yes, you have the truth. Yes, Jesus is the way. Yes, you have the truth. Yes, you, there's mercy. Yes, that person is sinning. Yes, that person is wrong. And, and, and we think we're, we're, we're justified in the truth alone, and we're able to say it and be rude about it. And even if you're right and you're rude, you're wrong. We're called to not just be theologically correct, but to also be practically accurate. We're, we're, we're called that to have the answers, but also make an impact with those answers. That's the thing. Church, we have the answer. Good for you. But are we making an impact? But are we making an impact? And, and, and I get it. Before I even go on, this is what happened. Because I don't want to beat us up here. I want us to be aware. This is what I think will happen. This is pumpkin coffee, by the way. Ew. Love me. I don't care. I'm basic. Straight up basic. I'm the most basic Puerto Rican in this room. I love me some pumpkin spice stuff. Don't judge me. If Uggs were appropriate, I wear Uggs up here with my pumpkin spice latte. Don't threaten me with a good time. Be comfortable? What? Anyway, back to the sermon. Here. Here's what I think happened. I think that somewhere down the line, we got scared. Because you're right, this world is messed up. And so we started creating firewalls. And in the firewalls, we said, okay, listen, the, the, the church is not a place for the world. So let's keep them far away. Let's not contaminate the church with the world. So let's create a chart. Secular music over here. Christian music over here. And we created those things because we were afraid. And when we study scripture, well, we have to understand that when it talks about the world, there's two different types of the world. There's the world in regards to systems of belief, right? So when the Bible says in Romans, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, it's talking about systems of the belief. But it's a different world than it is when you hear John 3.16, for God so loved the world, okay? So over here, that word world is people. And I don't know if you know this, that's you. That's you. But then there's a system of belief, the world here. So you're right. You're absolutely right. The church is not a place for the world. But the world is a place for the church. That deserved way better response than that. The church is a place for the world. But I get it. We don't want them to screw us up. 
We have enough, our, we have our own dysfunctions. We don't want to continue to allow them to contaminate us. So, so we started creating a bubble, right? And in this bubble, we created firewalls to protect that bubble. And it became fear-based religion rather than faith-based religion. And I want to challenge us today, and this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I want, to, I want to promise you something. And this is something I've noticed in my life. In the 41 years that I've had on this planet, every fear-based decision I've made is contrary to the will of God. Every fear-based decision I've made is contrary to the will of God. Why? Because the scripture says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Those decisions are faith-based decisions, but somewhere down the line, we started being fear-based, and this is what we did. We created a firewall, and we said, well, this is better. This is better. And if we're not careful, this is better becomes I am better. And then we begin to look down on people. We begin to segregate ourselves from the people that we're trying to influence. And we become afraid. And that fear turned into pride. And then we look down at people. Oh, these people. These people. And we forgot to have courage. And listen to me. If we're going to be fervent church, a church that does things with passion, the courage we have to do what's right needs to be greater than the fear of getting hurt. Can I say that again? The courage we have to do what's right needs to be greater than the fear of getting hurt. Because if not, we lost the battle, even though Jesus gave it to us. We're self-righteous when we look down on anyone. Anyone. Number two, we're self-righteous when we stand alone in our faith. Jesus says in the story, the Pharisee stood by himself, literally. Stood by himself. And I think nowadays our self-righteousness makes us just, again, pull closer and closer to isolation. And can I help us out? Solo Christianity is not real Christianity. It's not. I know in the pandemic we had to be in our little bubble and, and not touch anyone and, and go near anyone. I get that. And we got a little lazy. Can I be honest? Because I love you. We got a little lazy. And we are like, well, I'm just going to go to Bedside Baptist today. And listen, if you have to watch online, watch online. But that doesn't mean you don't, you're not in community. Solo Christianity is not real Christianity. And the Bible says this Pharisee was sitting there by himself, showing off and flexing before everyone else and God, thinking that he was doing something. And, and we, have to, we have to get to the place where we're incorporating other people in our faith. Because our faith, he didn't just give us, if it was so, he would just gave us scripture and Jesus. But he didn't give us a scripture and Jesus. He gave us scripture, Jesus, his presence, and his people. So standing alone in your faith makes us self-righteous. When I'm alone, I'm a genius. Oh my gosh, I have the best ideas ever. The best ideas, right? Until I finally tell someone, oh, let me tell you about my, that's stupid. You're right, that's stupid. But we're not designed to live alone. And this Pharisee was afar off by himself. And this is what I think has happened, right? I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks and, and he was right. He says, you know, it's hard not to be political because everything's political. It's true. Everything is political nowadays, right? But wherever you fall on the aisle, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I'm talking about kingdom. And here's the kingdom. There's a book that I want to encourage everyone to read if you get a chance. It's called Thou Shall Not Be a Jerk. 
If you want to learn how to navigate troubled political waters and, and be a believer and be a Christian, it's a great book by a man named Eugene Cho. And he said this, and I want us to get this. He said this in his book. He said, if we're not walking across the street to love our neighbor, we have no right in the kingdom to be enraged by politics. That deserves, that deserves a response. We have no right in the kingdom to be enraged by politics if we're not walking across the street and loving our neighbor. If we're not living in community, serving our community. We have no right. And that's a, it's, it feels so good to be alone over here. Ugh, those people. That's self-righteousness. And it doesn't bring you closer to God. Y'all getting this? We, we, to be a believer, to be a lover of Jesus, you have, to be, you have to have the revelation that you're right. People are broken. But that's just half of it. People are broken. And guess what? I am one decision away from looking like the person I'm looking down on. I'm just one decision away. And in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about forgiving ourselves for gossiping because that's a sin that we just let go in the church. And guess what? Even when you post about it, it's still gossip. And so nowadays, the church, we love to just shoot, shoot our wounded. And again, you can look at oh, your social media feeds, you see, oh, this pastor failed, this worship leader failed, and, and oh, here we go. And we just perpetuate the gossip and we continue to, to, to scorn them and, and shame them. And yes, they messed up. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's okay. What they did wasn't, wasn't okay. However, I'm, let's be humble and say, I'm one decision away of being that. I'm just one decision away of being that. And I'm reminded of that when I live in community. Y'all getting this? I got to speed up the pace. When the worship team comes up, starts playing the, the award music, it's time. Number three, this is what the Pharisee did. We, we identify self-righteousness when we rate ourselves by comparison. When we rate our, don't have adult ADD, focus on me. They're just walking. When we rate ourselves by comparison. This Pharisee said this in his prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I thank you that I'm not like other men. I know the Bible says that we run the race. But let me remind you that we're not running against each other. We're running with each other. And here's the cool thing about our faith. Even if I'm the last person across the line, I'm still with Jesus. So, so we're not running against each other. And so if you're rating yourself based on comparison, right? I didn't read my Bible today, but at least I'm not sleeping around. I, 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 didn't, I, haven't, been giving, I haven't been giving to church, but, but, but at least I'm not hook, having meaningless hookups night after night. And you think you're okay just by comparison. That is self-righteousness. Because this man did the exact same thing. We're running towards Jesus together. It's, it, doesn't impress, it doesn't impress Jesus when you're running faster than someone else. It doesn't impress him. What will impress him is that you help somebody. Hey, brother, hey, sister, let's run this race together. And let's fight self-righteousness. Number four, when we are driven by performance. I want to stop real quick because he says, <laughs> he goes, I fast twice a week. Where are my intermittent fasting people? That doesn't count. <laughs> I fast twice a week and I give all, I give tithes of everything that I earn. Good for you, man. Good for you. It ain't about performance. 
And yes, self-righteousness is when you feel good about yourself when you're doing, you're checking all the boxes and, and you do your devotionals before the Bible app even gives you the notification. Good for you. It's not even about that because there's another side of, of self-righteousness is that when we feel bad. Because what is self-righteousness? It's religious pride that based your value on you and your performance. So if you're basing your value, listen to me, if you're basing your value on your negative performance, that is still self-righteousness. If you feel like, I can't go to church. You know, I, it's been months since the last time I went to church. I can't go to church now. That's self-righteousness. You feel like you're, you're, you're less valuable because you haven't, went to, you haven't gone to church. You, you feel like you're less valuable because you haven't prayed. You feel like you're less valuable because you haven't read. Your value is attached to what he did on the cross. Your value is attached to what he did on the cross. So when, when you read and when you pray, it's not to increase your value. It's to get close to Jesus. It's to get close to the person who gave everything up just to be with you. And even still, if you feel like crap, that is still a form of self-righteousness. Because you're just basing your value on your performance. Please get this. Please get this. Because if it rises and falls on your performance, we're all screwed. If it rises and falls on your performance, we're all screwed. It can't be this way. Righteousness only comes from God. So very quickly, here's how this, I want to talk about the other dude. We should have spent more time talking about the other dude. Because how was this other dude? He went home justified, just as if he didn't sin. He went home justified. I want to do that, God. So what did he do? Number one, he, we, we're like this guy when we see our shortcomings. When we're aware of my shortcomings. I'm not pretending like they ain't there. I'm aware of them. That's what he did. He was aware. He said, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Another thing my man did is that when we don't care how our faith looks, this man did not care how his faith looked. He didn't care that he was sitting there crying, beating his chest. He gave Jesus his, his undignified worship. And I think when we're so worried about it looking nice and proper and, and, and right at the right moments, I think it's not faith at all. It's just performance. We should get, get to the place in your faith when you're okay with that snot bubble, cheerful worshiping. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you don't care how it looks. This man didn't care how it looked. We follow this man's example when we know our value with or without Jesus. I love that. I know who I am without Jesus. You ready? Nothing. I'm nothing without him. But I also know my value with him. And when, when, when I'm with Jesus, nothing, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. When I'm with Jesus, I could do all things. When I'm with Jesus, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I'm with Jesus, I know my value, but I also know my value when I'm without Jesus. And the Bible says it very clearly, without him, I can bear nothing, I could do nothing, I am nothing. That's how this man went home justified. And lastly, he went home justified because he was driven by mercy. Nothing else, not driven by performance, he was driven by mercy. He understood the power of the grace of God, that when you come to him real and repentant, God can do amazing things, amazing things. So what did he do? He emptied himself before God. 
You want to know the next level of your worship, the next level of your devotion, the next level of your relationship with Jesus? Begin to start emptying yourself. He was empty. Why? Because when you're full of yourself, there's no room for God. So God, take everything that's good in me, take everything that's bad in me, and it's yours. I want you. Help me be driven by mercy and live a life poured out for your glory. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. We're going to repent together. So let's all stand up in his presence. And Big Steve's going to lead us in communion today. And I think it's appropriate. Paul tells us that before we take communion, we take inventory. And as you're taking inventory, let's, let's empty ourselves. Let's repent. Let's ask God for forgiveness. And here's the best part about that. He is faithful and just to forgive you of everything. So we're going to pray this prayer together. So if you can, bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to repeat this prayer together. And if you can, if you can, mean every syllable that comes out of your mouth. Say it together with me. Say, Lord, forgive me. Let's try it again. Lord, forgive me for my self-righteousness. For the times I protect myself more than loving others. For the times I'm not humble rather than serving others. For the times I depend on myself rather than depending on you. Lord, forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen.